Hey guys, this is Ruben Langdon, a.k.a. Dante from Devil May Cry, a.k.a. Ken Masters from Street Fighter, and also Chris Redfield from the Resident Evil series. And you are listening to the Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii. Jackpot. Yeah, I fly and I soar, but I aspire for more. Took some time so I can show you how this lion can roar. Sound the sirens, let them know I'm standing right at the door. I'm defiant, cause I know that I'm a giant at core. Yeah, I'm that boy. Let them know that I'm next level, I'm a whole new kind of guy. All right, hello everyone. It's Mikhail Casanova coming at you with another episode of both the Casanova podcast and Decked Up, a gaming type podcast. Because my guest today is so fucking awesome that I want to have him on both shows. So you know what? I had a meeting with myself. I was like, self, yes, self, yeah. We're gonna have Moses on both shows. So, anyways, welcome Moses, aka the Well Red Mage. How you doing, man? Hey, man, dude, I had a conversation with myself earlier today, <laughs> and I was like, how do I talk to Mikel again? And here we are talking. So I'm doing great. It's great to it's great to chat with you again. Awesome, man. Awesome. It's also great to have a, a fellow Hawaiian content creator here. You know, first one I've ever had on a show. First. What? You were yes. my first, too. <laughs> you never forget your first, they say, you know? Right. Uh, well, we're a rare breed. There's not like a ton of us out there. Like Joe Rogan's not Hawaiian, you know, yeah. and he's he's slaying and podcasting. Uh, I can't even think of any famous podcaster from Hawaii. I've met one other than yourself uh, who is like based in Hawaii doing a podcast. Uh, and that's it. I. I don't know where, you know, where everybody is at as far as that goes. And it's, it's crazy because, like, there's so many people. I, I know we, we kind of touched on this when I was on your show. Um, but, like, there's so many people out here that, like, want to do this. But there's always, like, that that point where they're just, like, stopping themselves from just going full bore. Or they're so focused on people here that you kind of limit your audience to just here. And even then, like people in Hawaii aren't that into tech and gaming and such. So it's like, you know, but uh, yeah, man, first, first one, I'm, I'm honored to have you. (laughs) (laughs) You're honored. I'm honored. I like it. It's great to be here. (laughs) Welcome to you. I know. (laughs) So uh, go ahead, uh, introduce yourself, tell people um, where they can find you, what you've been up to, and uh, we will go from there. I'm going to give you the the full floor. Oh, all right. All right. So uh, what have I not been up to at this stage in my life? Um, So yeah, name's Moses, uh, the Well-Read Mage. Originally founded a website called thewellreadmage.com with three friends, and we were like, hey, let's write about video games. And it kind of spiraled out of control. We had over 70 writers from around the world, different countries, um, different philosophies and different tastes, which I really liked because it was a lot of uh, diversity of thought. It was a lot of diversity of of preference. Uh, And it was a lot of, you know, cultural and ethnic diversity as well. So you had a a lot of very different takes on a lot of very different video games. 
you know, it wasn't just indie focused. It wasn't just retro focused. It wasn't just modern AAA focused. It kind of was all across the board. So that was really awesome. Unfortunately, a lot happened, <laughs> like a pandemic, if you remember, kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, crowdfunding dried up. There was a lot of stress in my personal life uh, that affected my online presence as well. Uh, and part of that was kind of finding my voice as well, too. So it uh, it took a break and then we brought it back. Now it's thepixels.com, the-pixels.com. And uh, same sort of flavor, you know, uh, a lot of people from around the world, a smaller team now and trying to grow it, but also not trying to grow so fast. Uh, I found that trying to grow too fast, we encountered a lot of people who would do things like rage reviews, which I don't really care for these days. Um, you know, very much in the style of ABGN and stuff like that, (laughs) which, you know, like there's a time and a place for comedy. You know, uh, the website though is a video game critiques website. So we're treating video games as, you know, art forms, art history, uh, that have cultural impact and cultural sensibilities to them. So there's a lot of that, that kind of overlaps with, uh, with our philosophy there. Um, and then as far as other things that I do, I run a podcast called Magecast X that also took a break and came back now with a new co-host uh, that we had Mr. Casanova here on to talk about uh, Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Really uh-huh. enjoyed that episode. So thank you, sir. Uh, and then also streaming uh, during weekdays at uh, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Central, uh, focusing on completing the Super Nintendo RPG canon. Uh, in the West, because people will be like, well, what about Treasure of Rudras? What about Live Alive and Bahamut Lagoon and all these things? And I was like, do you have any idea how many Super <laughs> Famicom RPGs there are? Like, Mikael, if you had to pick a number out of thin air, how many Super Famicom RPGs do you think there are that never came over out of Japan? Oh, God. Uh, I'm gonna say on a rough estimate between 150 and 300, probably. Yeah, I I, I lost count. <laughs> I mean, it's in the hundreds. Uh, I think I was last around like 325, 330, or not three. Whoo, that's a lot. 120 or 130. Um, and I stopped counting because I was like, this is way too many. So just <laughs> focused entirely on, uh, on Super Nintendo RPGs that were released in the West. There's about 40, 45 of them, 46 of them. So that's the streaming thing. Uh, I stream off a CRT. It's not emulation. A lot of people are like, how'd you get it to look like a CRT on ZSNES? I was like, it's not ZSNES. I'm pointing a freaking camera at a freaking TV, and that's my stream. Just call it old school. Um, So, yeah, streaming, writing, uh, doing editing, there's a YouTube channel coming. Uh, okay. This uh, this is the first kind of podcast announcement that gets to be made for this. Okay. Um, I don't have screen. A... There you go. There we go. Oh, <laughs> I don't have a release date for this yet, but it is called. Here we'll do some magic. It's called Gameologica. Gameologica. Now, Gameologica is an exploration of uh, spiritual, religious folktale, mythological, legendary motifs in video games. Uh, The reason why that came about is I have a background in religious studies. Uh, Uh Trying to talk about those things on a podcast 
is really funny because you can hear <laughs> the guests eyes kind of crossing. Uh, you can, uh, you, you kind of get that like deer in the headlights kind of, uh, sound out of somebody when they, they're, they're out of their depth and they don't know what they're talking about anyway, because it's, it's a really <laughs> specific thing. Right. So like, right. uh, um, trying to think of a specific example, but it, it's eluding me. Uh, but there's stuff all over the place. Fires of Rubicon, for for example, is one such that touches upon uh, what could potentially be explored as you know the relationship of an indigenous people to mm -hmm. rapidly expanding capitalism. And there's all kinds of you know folktale and legendary and religious motifs that are kind of related to that. So mm -hmm. um, these are going to be micro documentaries. I. I uh, I envy people who are able to do you know these long eight hour documentaries on. Like, I don't know. I have no idea how to do it. I do. Yeah. No. <laughs> Plus, I can't watch that. Like, there's just no. Way. I can't even sit through like a two hour movie without my kids like interrupting me or anything. So like, <laughs> that's not going to be possible to do like a five hour thesis on you know the legend of zelda and polytheism or something like that but um <laughs> so yeah micro documentaries is in around like 10 minutes long um we have a really excellent video producer who's helping to kind of stitch that together um mm -hmm. and uh and we've got a creative producer as well who's kind of you know from the from the 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 um the back burner just kind of helping to explore on the creative angle um, so I, like I said, I don't have a deadline as far as when that's going to appear, but just keep an eye out, um, game logica again. And, uh, first episode will be on red mages. And if there's any kind of red mage in legendary or mythological history, and then we'll, so a couple of the early things we'll explore is like the master sword right up mm -hmm. here. There it is. The master sword and the sword in the stone. I think that there's obviously a lot of a lot of relationship there yeah. um one thing i really wanted to explore is the dragon quest slimes mikel when was the last time you asked yourself where do the slimes come from in rpgs like is there a myth or a legend about like slime monsters and so i i went digging you know and uh i i'm not allowed to spoil it yet we'll say that okay Okay. Yeah, I, I actually have been wondering about that because I noticed that, like, you know, outside of Dragon Quest, like a lot of like we have a lot of animes that are based around that. Like one that uh, my wife absolutely loves is uh, was it? Uh, I was reincarnated as a slime. Oh, so, that's like, the name of it. I'm not super familiar with anime right it, now. Yeah, but... I, I think that's the name. Oh, there's like a poster on the wall. It well, she's got like. Like the, oh, the, the stack of DVDs. Yeah, so she's got like the the manga and like some uh, figurines and statues. So yes, it is uh, how I got reincarnated as a slime. I believe. Yeah. The name of it. So yeah. th that one. Um, there's another one. Um, I think it's Campfire Cooking. There's another anime where you got a slime in it. Like there's a lot of them. Yeah. And it's just like, I I feel like as dragon quest has gotten more popular at least in the west which is crazy it it's taken as long as it has to get popular here when you go to japan it's not final fantasy that's number one it's no. been dragon quest since like the 80s so. yeah i feel so bad for dragon quest because like oh well, again super nintendo super famicom rpgs 
I am constantly kicking myself like, why are these Dragon Quest games not on the Super Nintendo? They look so great. Why did they not bring them over to the West? It's one of the, the great shames of, uh, of video game history. I'm but, like, I, I have there you go. My, my rule. They're blurred, but, you know, these are hard to come by if you've got a DS. I'm sure getting harder to come by these days too because that's how (laughs) right so um so let's see uh there's all that um we want to start rolling out interviews on the website um we've got a backlog of interviews that need publishing with artists developers composers um i want to (laughs) launch this is ridiculous this is like somebody showed me this i was like i want to do that because that's how i kind of operate um I want to start an RPG radio live stream that's just 24 hours of RPG music on YouTube. And so right now I've got this uh, this Mac right here. Oh, it's so hard because it's mirrored. There it is. And that <laughs> Mac back there on that desk. See if I can set up like a 24-hour live stream and just play RPG music all day long on YouTube. Um, so there's a lot going on. Say, I'm coming out with my own coloring book. No, just kidding. There's, there's, there's too much going on, but it's nice to stay busy, you know. Um, and I get to because of the way that our our, our lives are set up now in my family, um, I get to do this full time. So I'm trying to take as much advantage of the time as I possibly can to be able to be as creative as I possibly can, um, so that it's hopefully as lucrative as it possibly can be. Um, but it's a good time to be alive. It, it really is. So the one thing is I just need to figure out how to live in Hawaii again. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then life will be perfect. <laughs> uh, we, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, we've actually been talking about that. Uh, Moses is definitely trying to get back out here to Hawaii. And I think it would be great, especially having another creator uh, of your caliber out oh. here. And I'm I'm not trying to <laughs> knock anyone else out here, you know. That don't I don't want anybody taking a sound bite and trying to turn it into like oh, he's other Hawaiian like creators are like, dang it, me Kelly said it again. I know, like <laughs> you know, like certain groups out here, calm down, put your pitchforks down. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so but you know, like the, what you've been able to accomplish, man. Like your your social media following the website, your career, the podcast, everything. Like, it's just, it's chef's kiss. It's so fucking good. And well, thank it's you. Just, That's very it's, kind it, of you. <laughs> it, it's really, it, you know, and, it, and it's inspiring for me, you know, seeing like, oh, wow, he's able to do that. And it inspires me to want to do more because I, I've wanted to build a team for years and, and, and do stuff with people out here and you know expand it and i think i've I've told you that before like i've I've tried and they've not been successful attempts Mm -hmm. at all it's been a lot of um roadblocks (laughs) that sucks it really does i mean hawaii's not a big area you know no um you need like one good creator like per island and they kind of (laughs) control the whole chain there you go Yeah, because uh, and for those who don't understand, uh, you know, it's more of a case of like we have a lot of people out here that are doing content. They're streaming or making YouTube videos, but the focus is so specific on 
just being for people here in Hawaii um, or Hawaii, if you want to more correctly pronounce it. But it's it can be alienating if you're from somewhere else in the world and you're looking at it and you're like, I don't understand these references. Like, what are they speaking? Like, especially if they're speaking pigeon, like I can speak fluent pigeon. I can. And I know, like, you know, we can turn it on and off. But it's like, if you're not used to that, someone's going to be like, oh, I don't I can't keep up with yeah. it. So from a marketing, <laughs> right. You know, like, so like from a marketing perspective, you're kind of like you, you want to. And I know people have been upset with me saying or people here specifically have not liked that I said this, but from a marketing perspective, you have to utilize Hawaii as a backdrop to your content because people look at Hawaii as paradise. So a lot of folks are not going to expect to find a content creator or journalist or a YouTuber streamer or whatever out here. So when they see it and you're like, oh, you're in Hawaii, but you can also appeal to a global audience. That's really what can set you apart. And that's something that is missed by a lot of folks out here. And a lot don't want to hear that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's, you know, societal, social, political in many ways. But it's just um, something that I think would help more groups out here or Mm. individuals. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Hawaii is such a unique place. Uh, It has a very unique culture. Um, a very unique mix of cultures that's difficult to explain sometimes to folk on the mainland. Um, And like, I think embracing that is a great idea, you know, as part of like your brand, like folk need to know that you're in this unique position in this unique place that really is, it really is the crossroads between East and West. It really is the crossroads between Japan and and america the united states you know the mainland united states um in in a, in a way that uh i think more people in our spheres could uh latch on to were they there and and uh and highlight and take advantage of and discuss like i i love watching uh travel vlogs and things like that not in like the mm. cheesy ones but like uh, just a good like travel blog where like hey i went and stayed at a, like a cat hotel i'm like I like cats. I'll watch your video, you Uh know? And like very few people are kind of doing that about Hawaii. Like you'll see, you'll see like, here's the 10 best places to eat in, in Oahu. Uh, And I mean, look at me anytime there's a food video, I'm like, I'm going to watch that. Uh, One of my my favorite uh, uh, Hawaiian YouTubers is this guy named Sean Calipone. Uh, He always does, uh, he always does these like you know uh 10 places to get noodles and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. i enjoy that but like uh how many people are doing stuff that is really related to tech like what you're saying and related to gaming and and stuff like that Uh, you know celebrities will come out there from the gaming industry um presumably there's conventions and something that happens especially in oahu uh presumably there's things with anime and japanese culture as well that is really rarely highlighted uh online and so uh it's really cool to to hear you talk about that and what the dynamics are there in that really unique place so you know speaking of companies and and groups that come out here so 
Sega actually had a convention um, or a gathering uh, for Sonic Frontiers about a year ago. And it was, they flew people from all over the world to Big Island where they were having. Where was it? In Kona? It was in Kona. Okay. They flew, uh, was it the YouTuber Some Call Me Johnny, a lot of the gaming outlets, content creators and such, flew them all out here. And the whole thing that was so funny. It was so funny. And I always like, I. I give the Sega PR person shit for this because <laughs> no Hawaii or Hawaiian creator got invited. Ooh, that's that's interesting. Now, did they know any? Like, presumably they know you. They know me. Okay. They know at least two others. But they, so from what they said to me, they it was, oops, we forgot. And I'm just like, that's kind of hard to like really, you know. Yeah, that that's weird. I mean, like, I'm trying to think of like what's the best analogy for that. But it is it is weird. Like if you're if you're going to a place that is so unique that and you're trying to set this up, why would you not? Why would you not schedule the local talent, the local creators? You know. That just, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because yeah, I was like, you know, f- f- and I told uh, Katie, who's a uh, PR for Sega, I-, I told her, I said, you know, what's funny is like, if you had invited any of the Hawaii creators, for us, it wouldn't even cost much to even go there. If we're on the big island, you can just go straight there. If you're on any other island, it's like 30, 40 bucks. Just... Yeah, to island hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah that's like... what I was thinking too. It doesn't even make sense financially. Uh, no. To fly people across the Pacific versus, you know, fly for like, you know, a couple minutes on an airplane. And, and like another group that uh, another company or organization that comes out here is Qualcomm. Like if you guys use smartphones or particularly Android phones, they put the chipsets in almost every small, well, except for Google, with their pixel lines since they're using the sensor series, their own cu- custom chips. But you know, Samsung, every other company utilizes uh, Qualcomm chips and they every single year. It's probably except for this year. I don't think they're going to do it this year with the fires and everything to happen. But every uh, single year, they actually have a convention in November on Maui and they fly people. All of the big tech YouTubers and tech outlets, they get flown to Maui and no Hawaii content creators get invited and it's just that's something that i have been trying to understand with this industry is like when you do events in hawaii from a pr standpoint it would look better if you actually have a local or local hawaiian or you know from a financial standpoint too like we were just saying it's saving a lot on airfare right so it's very strange that um they don't do that or they mm. have yet to do that. So that's something I think is an opportunity. You know, I know a lot of industry people listen to this podcast. So, Hey, that's an opportunity for you. There you go. Make it Fix happen. That. Fix yes. that. Cause, um, you know, especially in this, this day and age now where representation is very, very big, you know, if it, it, you go anywhere else, like case in point, they go to California, 
do events, you're going to see California creators there. They go to Washington State, like, you, you know, PAX, which I think just wrapped up like earlier this week or last week. You know, they have people from Washington going to that. They're in the UK, it's the same thing there in Australia. So if you're going to come to Hawaii, you need to have some of the local creators here or you should at least invite some of them and if you don't know start looking them up <laughs> right like, yeah they shouldn't know. be too hard to find they're trying to make themselves known yeah yeah so hmm. we need right. to change that we need to figure out how to change that yeah we definitely do uh so so one thing i want to dive into real quick uh and we were kind of talking about this but like being a parent <laughs> and 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 doing uh content creating and, and trying to stream and whatnot because a lot of people think that you know uh oh you should just stream for like hours upon hours every single day and it's like for us we're just not in that position to do it i can do it once a week on sundays mm -hmm. but for you what's your uh experience because i know we both were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, like dealing with people who don't have children. And that's a very interesting. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so like I mentioned too, we've got a team on the website, right? Uh -huh. So people are in all kinds of different time zones. They have all different things going on in their lives. And usually I don't ask cause it's not important as far as like, you know, how the work is done. Uh, as long as it's done, like if I if I assign a, a writer a press key, I just want to make sure that they write the review. That's that's all mm -hmm. I need to know. I don't need to know how many children they have or they live in an apartment or a house or, you know, with their parents or anything like that. But uh, it, it's it's I think there's so much that's kind of overlapping with um, this disconnect between folks who do have kids and folks who don't have kids. Uh, a lot of what I'll see uh, sometimes is, um, you know, some creators will be like, hey, don't don't, uh, you know, don't uh, compete with people in their 30s because, you know, they've got they've got more time and disposable income and and uh, and and uh, and more energy and things like that, you know, and I want to be like, don't feel like you have to compete with people who don't have kids if you have kids because like <laughs> you're just in different stages in life and yeah. it's not it's not. Like the conversation can very easily like head dive into, uh, you know, having kids is better than not having kids or vice versa. When that's mm -hmm. not what the conversation is about. The conversation is about how do you uh, personally manage your time mm -hmm. if you don't have kids or if you do have kids. If you do have kids, there's an added challenge of of being able to manage your time and find time for certain things and be okay with interruptions. Yeah. Uh, like, like got to, especially if you've got young kids, like I'll be <laughs> on a podcast and I hear my door. Daddy, can I play Mario? I'm like, fine. Just go play Mario. <laughs> like, <laughs> ask your mother. <laughs> like, why, why are you knocking my door for this? You know? Uh, or then they'll, but, at the same time too so like you know again they knock on my door daddy i just unlocked you know some new thing in animal crossing and you don't want to be like leave me the heck alone i'm trying to record a podcast you know that sort of thing <laughs> you want to you want to acknowledge that this is a human being yeah who, like if you yell at them for that 
that they're going to remember that, right? Uh-huh. They're not going to remember the Mario thing that they unlocked or whatever on Animal Crossing. They're going to remember that you yelled at them through a door because they were excited to tell you something, you know? And um, something that happened to me recently, actually, yeah, while we're on the subject of parenthood, I didn't, I didn't even plan to bring this up, but it just recurred to me. Uh, recently, my son, uh, eight years old, uh, he, uh, he beat Super Mario RPG. Uh, Legend of the Seven Stars, old yep. school, right? Yep. And uh, I was super happy for him because uh, towards the start of the year, maybe tail end of last year, he had started playing it, and he was doing okay. And then uh, he gets to, I don't know when was the last time you played this, but he got to uh, the part where the Dodo is like pecking the statues and you're Mario. Oh, yeah, and you yeah, have to yeah, jump. yeah. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. So great. One of like my favorite things in that game. Uh, and he is like, darn, I can't get it. So he keeps trying over and he reaches over to hit reset and bumps the cartridge and it freezes and he lost his data. And he was like 80% through the game. And, you know, so he had he had his, his you know, tragedy and went through it emotionally. And I tried to help him through that. I was just like, if you want to play old school, the old school way, this is this is what happens. This is reality. Like <laughs> happened to me. You know, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm up to Kefka in Final Fantasy VI, and I trip over the cord and pulls it out of the thing. Gone. Gone. Uh-huh. The whole thing gone, you know? And you just have to pick yourself up and start over again. So it was like the, you know, you fall off the bike, you get right back on it type thing. But for gamers. And, uh, and so I was so proud of him that he restarted the game. He got all the way back up to that part again. He uh-huh. aced that statue minigame the first try and then went on to finish the game. Uh, by playing through it essentially twice. Um, so I was really happy about that. Obviously, like, like you know, that's my boy. He finished Super yeah. Mario RPG. Heck yeah. There's <laughs> adults who haven't finished that game, you know? Uh, yeah. So I go online. I took, you know, I rarely share pictures of, of my family or anything like that because I know how the internet can be. Uh-huh. And the internet proved that the internet can be the way that it is. Uh, so I shared a picture of him really excited uh, is the end credits, you know, the thank you screen at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, overwhelmingly positive response. Uh, tons of people just like, hey, that's amazing. You know, like, thank you for passing on the knowledge of, like, games to the next generation. And then every once in a while, you got a few people who were like, stop virtually signaling, virtue signaling like your kids, you know. Um, or one person like, why would you force your child to play a game they don't want to someday they'll resent you for it and stuff like that. And as it was really strange to see those, I mean, again, they were, they were the rare comments, but they were really ugly. And there were some that were vicious. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that that's a fringe element, obviously that's not to characterize any like, you know, just rational creators who don't have children do not talk like this. This was this was really, really vicious stuff. Um, but at the same time, less fringe, what you tend to deal with, too, are people who are like, well, that's not a real game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not for real gamers. Animal Crossing New Horizons? That's a baby game, right? You'll hear, that's not a real game, right? And it's like, what qualifies as a real game? And it's typically something that is oriented towards not the family, but the single player, right? The uh-huh. person who has all the time for the MMOs, all the time for, you know, the grind on these really long hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hour games, um, which 
those folk are attempting to diminish the fact that families play these games, you know? And so part of what I like to do personally, it's not part of my brand, but I like to kind of stand up for families. I like to kind of acknowledge casuals, you know, like we've mm -hmm. even got a phrase in this, in this culture, don't we? Uh, where people say filthy casuals. They're so dirty and filthy. Those casuals. I was like, casuals are the one keeping this industry afloat. Thank you. Thank you. I've been saying that for years. Bro, like people, high people five. Don't right, right now. Yes. <laughs> people don't get no, that. They don't. Like, who the heck? Who the, like people will be like, Final Fantasy 16 sold 3 million copies. I was like, that ain't paying Square's bills. Let me tell you that right now. No. You know what's paying Square's bills? Those mobile games that like millions uh -huh. and millions and millions and millions of people download. Uh, and Square's got, you know, other bills that aren't being paid right now. I don't want to get into that, obviously. But uh, <laughs> all of, like, the casual stuff. And that doesn't mean, like, I'm like, oh, I love Candy Crush. Stick it in front of my face. Candy Crush all the Farmville all day. Mm -hmm. I don't like playing all that stuff. But it's just to acknowledge that we have to share this space. We have to uh -huh. share this culture. Gaming culture has to be shared by more than just the hardcore gamer. Uh, mm -hmm. The content creator who has no children, who's able to do these nine hour streams every day uh, and hit those games really hard. Uh, we have to get rid of terms like real gamer and real games and things like that and acknowledge that family get like, I'm sorry, but Super Mario Party <laughs> or Mario Party Superstars is a real game. It just may not be the game that you like, and that's totally fine. Uh, like, mm -hmm. if I was single and had no kids, I'm not going to sit at home playing Mario Party by myself. <laughs> but when you've got a family, and a lot of people do, and when you've got kids, and a lot of people do, these are the kinds of games that they buy. And that's why they do so well. That's why Mario Kart does so well. You know? So, uh, yeah. That was, a, that was a tall soapbox that I started. No. <laughs> I wasn't planning all that. But, uh, yeah, it's part of, the, I think, the language needs to change, you know? No, I completely agree with you. Like I, I've um I've run into that situation a lot where like other content creators I know, you know, around our age, they don't have kids and or they don't even have a significant other. So like to them, whenever you know uh news drops, they're immediately on it or they're able to devote all this time to covering a game or streaming it or you know, doing a review on it. And then like they'll hit me up and they're like, Oh, how come, you know, if you do a review, you're only showing early footage. I'm like, well, that's all I had time to record. <laughs> what do you, you want? know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I, I can't like devote that much time to sitting and hit record. And, and even also in that aspect, you know, I try to respect, you know, cause you understand this when you're, you get a, a press copy of a code uh, for a game, they don't want you to go outside certain realms of an embargo, certain things you can't show or you shouldn't show because it spoils something for the player. So, you know, I make it a point to try and show probably like if it's an RPG, something within the first three to four hours and nothing beyond that, especially with so many RPGs now being so long, like Persona comes to yeah. mind, like, oh, my <laughs> God. And. and I, I could go on a rant about Persona because I don't care about the social aspect. I just want to. I remember you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I've never actually played a Persona, so I can't agree or disagree. But uh, they're long, for what I understand. They oh, really right. are. My my favorite Persona is Persona Two, or at the Persona Two duology, because they were dark, and they really go into um, the psychological aspects that I like. You know, it's similar to what Xenogears did. It's when it got to Persona 3 is when we started, they shifted the tone to be more lighthearted, even though Persona 3 can be really dark. Um, but 4 and 5, you know, they're, they're light. You know, and, and when people think of Atlas now, they think of Persona. I'm I'm like, I think of Atlas. I think of a lot more than just Persona. I'm, I'm a SMT fan, and there's not a lot of, well, there are a lot, but not to the extent of persona and and that kind of goes into like where when one particular aspect of a franchise gets popular then everyone hops in like case in point the Zeno series you know people <laughs> popped in with Xenoblade 2 and yes i can go on that rant too <laughs> y'all like the y'all like the big boobies y'all like the titties i get it you get i get it y'all got on it from there and then no, I'm not such a big Zeno fan. No, you like Xenoblade 2. You like Xenoblade 3. When they remade one, Xenoblade 1, folks didn't like it. Oh, it's too basic. It doesn't do this. And it's mm. just very simple. And that's supposed to be the holy grail of the series, isn't it? Right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, go back mm. and play Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga. <laughs> they won't do it. Oh, it's too old. That's yeah, uh, when somebody says, when somebody says, I can't go back that far, that graphics. I'm like, just get over yourself. What do you walk through a museum and be like, that statue is hideous. It was built 4,000 years ago. I'm like, this is kind of the only film a little bit, right? Film a little mm -hmm. bit. Like I have met people who are like, I can't watch anything in black and white. I'm like, well, you're missing out because there are some amazing movies in black and white first and foremost. Uh, but games are so unique and that people would be like games from like 10 years ago. They'll be like, oh, that's unplayable. Like uh -huh. it's only like 10 years old is like is barely any time like, like on a human scale that's like barely any time at all. You know, but it's just crazy. Things go so fast in this industry. So it it, it really does. And like it, the news cycles, news cycles oh, for yeah. gaming and tech is literally it used to be within 2 weeks. Now it's like the first day or two. And then maybe it'll go a week and then people move on to the next thing. And it's um, it, just seeing how news cycles go. It's very, very disheartening. But, you know, going back to like dealing with the, you know, creators and such who don't have kids. Like I had an instance where I was doing a podcast uh, interviewing uh, one of the creators that I met at the Final Fantasy 16 LA event. And I had my toddler with me. And my toddler, she's unique in the sense of whenever I or her mother sits at a computer to work or do anything, it's like, what are you doing? Your attention <laughs> needs to be on me. But it's like when the attention's on her, it's like, oh, I don't leave me alone. So she's interesting in that aspect. So when I was interviewing a guy, uh, she kept doing so many things so many times because you know uh i used to do these podcasts live and now i'm like no i'm just gonna pre-record them so uh at one point she took her diaper off and then she went to an area where she was still within view and she just 
peed and pooped right there. And I'm just like, and then she puts it in her diaper, walks over to me. He's like, here you go. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, the guy's like, yes, yeah, this is why I don't, he's, this is why I hate kids. Uh, I don't uh, want kids. Sorry, uh, no, yeah. And I'm just like, I say, you know what? That's not something you want to tell to someone who has kids for one. And for two, you can just say, eh, you know, kids aren't my thing and just leave it at that. Uh, and, and, and it's interesting in this field with the amount of creators I know, the amount that don't have kids and like they're doing all this great stuff. And it, it's cool. I understand you, you don't have the limitations of when you can and cannot stream or make content. But at the same time, you know, I guess from a cultural aspect, like for you and I being Hawaiians, it's like family is everything. You know, part of our kuleana is to continue expanding, you know, to, to have our own families and, and kids and everything like that. And so it is very interesting. And I'm also run into this with American creators than any other group where it's like the me, 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 me focusing on myself. And I'm like, that's cool to a point when then you're going to get old and be like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. There was a, a, a realization that I put into a tweet with uh, it was again, it was a picture of my son beating the Mario RPG game. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, I love my friends online. But they're not going to bury me like my kids yeah. are going to bury me someday, you know, and like, again, not everybody wants that, you know, not everybody wants the family life for themselves. And that's totally fine. Like people can have that choice. I think uh, understanding is is what, you know, is what I would ask. Uh, I mean, like you tell the story with your daughter, like that's such a normal story. Like for yeah. it's a normal toddler story, you know, yeah. Um everybody's had the cleaning crap off the walls, like literal story, you know, and that doesn't happen every day, but it happens, you know, yeah. and it happened in everybody's childhood as well. We just don't remember it. Like, I'm sure I did that to my mom, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, I'm sure the, you know, the, the persons who's like, you know, I hate kids. They, they forget maybe that they were kids once. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's our purest form too you know we learn a lot of uh techniques for playing the game as we mature into adults you know we learn the facades and the masks and things like that the kid don't like you kid's gonna tell you <laughs> they don't yeah. like you you know or yeah. vice versa so and yeah. it, it, it's a very interesting thing too like i, I see and, and this could probably be me going deeper into this topic of like beyond just the folks who don't like kids, but kids, but I've also noticed a lot of people are, especially in today's age, there's a lot of unhappy people like, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of reasons for that. But like, I've noticed a lot of people who outwardly are very successful that, you know, creators, I know that, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers and, and they're doing great. They constantly have all this stuff going on and they're some of the most miserable, miserable people. And it's just eye-opening. You would think, or you know, most would assume with a lot of success, you would be happy. But 
external things don't really they can amplify good or bad they're not going to make you happy you can have stuff like all this stuff there's stuff behind me stuff behind you that's mm -hmm. not going to make us happy that's you mm -hmm. know happiness comes from within and it's just interesting seeing um how many people are really miserable you know and it's like the the guy i was talking uh, that i interviewed you know like it, you know i'm not, not going to say his name but like he was he's quite miserable and constantly having issues of like self-worth and all this and you know one minute he's making a post about bragging about his metrics and how well he's doing and the next minute it's like how miserable he is and it's like it's kind of interesting we're in this day and age where it's like people are that openly and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not trying to stigmatize it or anything right, right, but right. like it's very interesting seeing that you know and it's I, I see it more so with people who just have themselves mm -hmm. than people with either a partner or family so it's it's a very interesting thing yeah numbers aren't friends yeah uh, numbers make poor family members too yeah. uh we all love seeing statistics i mean i i would lie if i told you that like when i get a spike on our website it doesn't make me excited you know but uh that's so temporary you know it's not like I can ride off of that high for the whole week even you know it's kind of just like hey this is doing great you know and then that's about it <laughs> like that's the extent <laughs> of that excitement uh let me tell you a, sh a short story so i moved from california to texas about two and a half years ago mm -hmm. and um left a lot of friends in california uh i had been there since 2002 when we moved from hawaii um and left a lot of friends in hawaii as well um, obviously difficult to keep in touch when, you know, you've got several hours of time zones to figure uh -huh. out, um, California, same thing, same sort of thing. I keep in touch with a couple people, but my wife and I, we try to have parties all the time. Uh, we try to have people over all the time because we loved having people over all the time. I love hosting. I love welcoming people into my home. I love feeding them. Like that's, that's the Hawaiian part, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I remember growing up as a kid, like if you go to a Hawaiian person's house, you're going to eat. doesn't yes. matter if it's 12 <laughs> o'clock, if it's three o'clock, if it's one o'clock, if it's seven in the morning, you're going to eat something. They have something uh -huh. cooking. Uh, I remember going to one of my, my mom's friend's house and we had just come from like eating somewhere. Uh, she's like, please eat, please like begging, you know, there's all this food on the stove. So you sit there and you eat, you got to eat something. You have to at least try it, you know? Um, and so when people come to my house, I'm like, please, let me, let me feed you. Let me make you some food. Like it's part of the, the Hawaiian hospitality. And it's a joy to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, the story though, is that when we left all our friends in California, uh, what do you, what happens to all that? You know, who do you who can you invite over? So I, you know, I make friends with my neighbors, had them over a couple times. Uh, that's been really fun. Um, they're not, they're not going to listen to this. So <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can actually like, they're not exactly my age, I could say. So like, uh, you know, one of them is, is much older than me. So, uh, it can be difficult to have conversation, but they're really wonderful people in their own way, you know, and I love having them over, but it's not the same as like, scheduling a game night with the boys, you know, or like my wife having your girlfriends over and stuff like that. Um, and us doing barbecues all the time. So I miss that, 
you know, when you point like all this stuff back here out, it's fun. Um, but it's funner with people around, you know, like, yeah, like I love couch co-op. I love local co-op. I love having people to hang out with and wrestle. My favorite pictures that I've got is, uh, uh, on the Nintendo Wii, there was some schlocky like trivia game that we were playing. And uh, my friend and I, because there's the Wiimotes, right? So you're like trying to aim carefully. And he starts like, you know, nuzzling my or nudging my shoulder. And like, I can't get it to do right. And the time's counting down. And pretty soon we're wrestling. He's on my back and we're on the couch. He's on my back and I throw him back like this. And he goes, oh. And I was like, what happened? So he carefully, boop unplugs and his butt had gone through my apartment wall uh so <laughs> i have a picture somewhere of a dollar bill next to his butt imprint in the apartment wall for scale <laughs> but you cannot you cannot recreate that experience on twitch on a no. podcast on a website on a youtube channel on in your game room no matter how big it is or how many games you have without other people you know, mm -hmm. and like that is such an important part of life. And it really struck me this move again, the pandemic where you couldn't be around a lot of people. Um, yeah. It really struck me as like how important people are to maintaining your mm -hmm. sanity, your sometimes, you know, maintaining your sanity. You need people to go away for a little bit. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> but like your happiness, your joy, it's just interactions, friendships, things like that. You need that in your life. You really yeah. do. So, um, oh man, it, it's it's so crazy to think that the pandemic started like roughly three years ago, and just how God, like it's it's that was something we never would have expected in our lifetime. Like that's something like you would expect to hear from like maybe a hundred years ago. Or so yeah, like yeah. something like that. And being able to say what life was like before the pandemic and life was like post pandemic. And it's just, it's interesting. Um, there are days I sit and think about that and I'm like, wow, I, for a point, I never thought we were going to come out of the, the quarantine time. Yeah. It was very much like wear a mask. You can't go here. Like I know here in Hawaii, we had, uh, they instituted curfews. And so that, that was something that I was like, okay, I've never had to deal with that to the the magnitude that it was i've never seen waikiki just dead oh, a, a ghost, ghost town? town yeah that yeah. would be really surreal i never thought of that because that place is always packed yeah do you so remember when was... it started and you were like wiping down your groceries you were like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't have to do that for two years uh, i remember yeah. and then they're like it's airborne you guys it's airborne and we're like oh because if I had to wipe down one other one more gallon of milk, throwing <laughs> up all over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, like just going through that and just seeing how like that affect a lot of people, you know, on a personal and mental level. Looking at how that affected the game industry and okay, so it's kind of unrelated, but it is related. I have been a big proponent of saying that the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S should not have launched either until last year or this year. Because, and, and, and this is why I'm going to say this, put your put pitchforks down, people. 
This is why I'm saying this. <laughs> we're like, PS5 is my favorite console of all time. How dare you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the Sony ponies and then the Xbox. Look, the reason I'm saying this is because we're only now getting games that are dedicated to these consoles specifically. Three and a half years into this new console generation, we're only getting that now. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, I am 100% there with you, but uh, you know, exclusives are a dirty word these days. They are. You notice when this, uh, this uh, generation rolled out, yeah, and I lump switch into this generation because it's it's old at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, leaving that aside, you know, the Xbox, the Sony, when those were rolling out, then we started to get this really heavy dialogue of and monologue even from big people in the industry of like, you know, we shouldn't have all these multiple platforms. We shouldn't have exclusives. It's unfair that they bought this studio and I'm going to buy this studio. That's not right. We should just, why are we gating things behind, you know, people having to pay money? And I'm like, are you giving away your box for free? Because <laughs> like, there's a cost to entry. This is a luxury product, right? Like, like this is not, this is not food or water or housing. This is, uh-huh. <laughs> this is something you buy if you've got the extra money for it. Uh, Phil Spencer, who seems like a nice guy. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy who would come over and help you move on a weekend. You know, uh, was uh, was talking about how bad exclusives are. Recently, Yoshi P was like, uh-huh. I wish we just had one platform. I was like, your game might have sold better, maybe, but that would be worse. For, <laughs> it would be worse for consumers. You know, how could more options be bad for consumers you know like we get to make the decision based on sometimes as much as just preference we -hmm. get to make that decision but uh my perspective is that dedicated i like to use that not exclusive uh because exclusive can be exclusionary let's say but dedicated games for a console are designed with that console's infrastructure in mind they're designed specifically for that infrastructure. I believe it was Kojima who said that specifically about Death Stranding when that came out. Um, exclusive cell systems, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I was seriously considering picking up a PlayStation 5 just for Final Fantasy 16 because I love Final Fantasy, you know? Like, I wasn't thinking that before when I, I got a PC, you know? I've got a PC and a Switch. I can play everything. <laughs> Literally, like almost everything that there is you know maybe not astro's playroom or something like that you know maybe not the demon souls remake something like that but like most things you can play with just those two items and i want to get a playstation i've supported playstation generations every single generation um but it's a hard ask for me personally because i don't need a mid-generation upgrade you know, a lot of people will be like, well, the controller's worth it. I'm like, the controller? Oh, <laughs> we're going to do this, like, play, like move the joysticks around for, like, 100 hours? Like, that doesn't sound fun to me at all. Like, you know, and a, a graphical upgrade, that's great if those are the things that you want. I'm just saying, for me, I need to see those dedicated games, you know? I mean, and, and when you really look at it, there's not a lot of... PlayStation 5 
or Xbox Series exclusives right now. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. Like when I think about it, okay, what do we have exclusive on PlayStation Five? Demon I think there's Souls like five re- or six. We counted it once, right? Um, so you got yeah. De- Demon Souls remake. Uh, you could have said. Uh, was it uh, a Returnal before that went to be so many PlayStation games are going to PC, right? Horizon so Forbidden it, West went, didn't it? Oh, that might have um, been too. That was PS4 and 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it, it's there's not, you know, and I, I've gotten a lot of hate for saying this, but I'm like, honestly, the only benefit I've gotten out of getting a PS5 or Series X has been little to no load time. Compared to like my PlayStation Four, but or my Xbox uh, One, so it's it's not we're not we're starting to see a lot of diminishing returns when it comes to these major consoles now. In comparison to when we went from the Atari Twenty Six Hundred to the NES, oh, the Sega Master System, yeah, right. You know, like it's not we haven't had that big of a leap anymore yeah. even some games coming out now look like they could have come out on the ps2 or the original xbox like we're not it, it's it's weird seeing this slump the gaming is in and people now want or saying like oh wait till uh, we get the playstation 5 pro why do we need the? <laughs> why do we need that i was just gonna bring that up like i i encountered that person for the first time it was like, see, if we get a, pay- a PlayStation 5 Pro, then that'll solve everything. Their life would be better. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> Isn't a PS5 a PS4 Pro Pro? Now you uh-huh. want a PS4 Pro Pro Pro. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I get, again, like you said, you got a lot of hate for that. Here's where we are at, as a culture, as a gaming scene, where you get hate for a preference. That's yeah. weird to me. Like, just fundamentally weird to me it is totally cool if somebody wants uh like if somebody wants a ps5 just for the graphical updates because they care about that that's fine i can't understand that i can say i want to see some exclusives um but again options right um folk can buy it if they want to and folk can buy it if they you know not, not <laughs> buy it if they don't want it so yeah it's a it's a weird stage to be in though yeah and it's like if there's a console that i'm actually excited for it would be switch 2. i'm excited for that and and and, you know same group of people like oh you know switch has no games you know that's an interesting okay well that goes back to the earlier right uh they're not real games Yes. You know, you'll hear that yeah. about Zelda and Kirby and they're not real games. It has no games. <laughs> that is the weirdest thing. Okay, so when I hear people like I saw that, I think his name Ryan McCaffrey or whatever on uh, I think he's with IGN. So he made a comment and he got blasted by the bulk of the gaming industry for this. He said for the PSVR 2 there's no games for it. There are no games in develop or along the lines of there's no games for it, no games in development, no compelling VR experiences. And it's like I was like, what are you talking about? You like, are you saying there are no games you want to play on it? Because 
there's a metric ton of PSVR 2 games coming. Games that were not capable of running on the VR1, not capable of running on the HTC, uh, whatever, the, the Oculus, oh, the Oculus uh, Quest 1 and 2 that were exclusive to the um, higher-end PC VR that's being ported to PlayStation 2 VR and other games being specifically made for that with the architecture in mind. Like, what are you talking about? And like seeing people run with what he said versus the developers are like, what are you talking about? We just announced this game. Mm. This is, this is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. Like, and, and then you had that led to people saying like, Oh, it was overpriced. It's this, it's that. And okay. I can understand I can understand people being put off by the cost of consoles and and stuff now. I look at PSVR 2, and and it's kind of interesting because I said this, and then one of the PSVR 2 developers for, uh, was it Firewall uh, Ultra, it just recently came out. He said the same thing. It's a different platform. Like, yes, it works in conjunction with, it does need the PS5, but VR games don't play like a normal game that you would pick up a controller with. Like mm-hmm. that's in a completely different platform. And for the tech that's in the VR too, for it being a single USB-C cable that just plugs directly into your PS5 on the front and you get the two controllers and you put on the headset, it is the most simple and I would say the most immersive VR experience I've ever had. I had an HTC Vive. I've had these other uh, VR headsets where you had to mount the cameras in certain areas of your room. You had to have certain lighting. And all that tech is now built into one headset. You just put it on and that's it. So it's like when... You know, when I was refuting that, and I, I've talked about it on the podcast before, I had people say to me, like, oh, well, you're just saying that because you're a Sony partner, you're a Sony pony. I'm like, no, <laughs> I understand tech. I follow tech, and we've come a long way in the VR space. Like, I remember when it was super expensive and it was niche, like $500 for a thing. I get it. That's asking a lot. You know, but people need to understand this is a hobby where you have to have money to play. And it's like that 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 falls on deaf ears with a lot of people. Like, oh, like uh, what is it? The the uh ROG Ally, the 699 is too expensive. Or the upcoming um what is it, Lenovo Legion Go, oh, it's too expensive. Then budget. Then mm. get mm-hmm. get rid of something you have. Like it's it's just the the conversation of of what is and isn't too expensive. Like, do I think games should be at a staple of $69 now? No, but I also remember when games didn't have a price regulation in the 90s or right. the 80s. Don't keep like, calling like $90. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I remember when there was no staple for what the price was, which it didn't get a staple until, I want to say, the PS2 era, where we that went from 30... Like- you know, like from $39 to $49 and then the last generation or, or was it the PlayStation 
360 generation, we went from 49 to 59. And now we're at 59 to 69. But at least it's still within eight, unless you're Ubisoft and you got your regular edition, you got your deluxe <laughs> edition, you got your ultimate edition, like aside from that. But right. like it, it, it's interesting how the conversation goes. And the most vocal are the people who have the least experience in being a gamer in a sense of not trying to say like a real gamer but understanding the history of where it's been mm -hmm. where it is now and where it's going yeah i see what you're saying um i uh i think i i always tend to lean on um the the buyer sets the the price right so like the mm -hmm. seller can be like this is how much i'm going to sell it to you but the buyer is the one that decides if they buy it or not right and eventually these things go down in price you know, we've seen that with a lot of um, hardware, whether you want to call that like hardware peripheral hardware or not. Um, you certainly seen it with consoles, like consoles eventually go down in price uh, mm -hmm. or they become kind of holy grail items and they just keep going up in price. You know, you got to watch out for that. But um, I mean, I would probably say to the person who thinks it's too expensive, don't buy it. Wait yeah. until it goes down in price or save up for it. So like I'll be I'll be honest with you. I've never actually used VR. Um I'm over here playing a freaking Super Nintendo dude. <laughs> like I'm not uh <laughs> I'm not I I don't know too much about VR. I know, you know, I've seen a couple of things that were like uh they had different sales expectations for VR and things like that. I've seen things like that um the one that really got me was the Apple Vision Pro. I don't Oh god. Up was like 3500 bucks i was like who's this for <laughs> like somebody is for somebody but i know that's that buyer and i'm i'm me i'm 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 the buyer here that has to make the decisions on like what i buy or not so um you know it's the same thing with with the new systems from xbox and ps5 i'd love to have those but for the price and what they're offering and what my preferences are um, for how I game and how I, uh, what I would like to play. Uh, it's hard for me to find the money for that when I'd rather get something else. Um, with VR, again, I've never tried it. I've never tried it. So I think like if you're looking at somebody who likes VR, here's a price. They're probably going to be willing to play it. If it's somebody who doesn't like VR, here's a price. They're probably not going to be willing to play it. If, if there's somebody who has no idea what VR is like... <laughs> then and they see a price then they may be on the fence with that like the last time i think i tried vr was like you know remember in the 90s you'd go around the mall and they would have like those little like those little like car cabinets and you'd get inside and there'd be like a projector in there and they'd like turn you around and stuff like that for like mm -hmm. five bucks it's probably the last time <laughs> like that. so but the point is though that there's an audience right for it yeah um and that audience is willing to pay the current entry fee for those things uh is what you're saying um yeah but yeah i i, I don't know beyond that i i don't have a ton of vr experience i gotta admit no and it, it, it just really you know and, and going back to like i i've tried vr from when you know we first had the first couple pc headsets that were just super expensive and experienced was hit or miss and it's like 
being able to have one that can connect to your PlayStation at this point where everything is in the headset, it, you know, you put it on, you're looking at like VR games in the past because of how they develop it, like whatever you're looking at, that's going to be high resolution. Everything else is going to be, you know, like lower resolution. Being able to have it now where you have literally two 4K screens and everything looks crisp and like there are certain certain games that are super super immersive like the horizon game in vr call of the mountain like when you turn off that snap turning which is mainly there for people who have motion sickness when you turn it off and you can actually control it like you would a first person game with the analog sticks and you can move around and interact with stuff that is some uh, it like literally pick up any random thing that is super immersive like it's to the point where like you know my wife actually has to uh watch her kid because like we'll alternate i'll 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 play it and then she'll play it especially she loves beat saber and um what's it the there's like a guitar hero game and a drum game and a bunch of other stuff like there's some really really immersive stuff that like if we played this back in 2016 2017 it would not run as well as it is now and you know it's just one of the things like i try to say like when i do reviews of stuff i try to tell people like look if you can experience it if you can go to a store and and try it out try it out i'm never going to tell someone definitely buy this or or don't buy that because what i have a preference for may not be what you have a preference right, for. Right, right, right. And it's like the problem we're having now, and it's at a societal level, is you can't have preference without having controversy for having a preference for something. And it's just ridiculous. Like, especially going back to the whole Nintendo is not a real, you know, they're not really making games or Zelda's not really da da da. And it's like, I, oh, it, it, going into like the whole console war thing. Oh my god! Like, you guys, <laughs> we don't touched on this just a little bit on the previous one. I love it. Yeah, we did. Like people don't understand. You you're not having a console war now. You're having a platform preference war, because now when you play a game, now it's what controller do you want to pick up and play it on? What platform? What features do you want? achievements on xbox do you want trophies on playstation do you want none of that existing on nintendo's switch do you want to play on pc you know it's literally that multi-platform games did not exist back then the way they are now because back then you could have it right like you could have a game on the super nintendo and the sega genesis and the turbo graphics 16 and the amiga and uh Amstrad and all that and it would be a completely different experience based on the platform it's not like it is now and it's just so weird seeing that conversation and it's to a point where a lot of times i don't even engage in these gaming conversation with people because i'm like when did you start gaming oh i started gaming in 360 era <laughs> okay like I'm old <laughs> enough to be your father. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what, too? And like gaming uh, console wars aren't fun anymore. Mm-mm. You know, like uh, I, I, I love having fun with that kind of thing. I don't like purposefully try to like, you know, attack somebody's character or anything like that. That's for me. That's the line in the sand. 
Um, unless they're going to come after me, I'll come after them. Cause like, you know, uh, I'm not just going to like let somebody roll all over me, but, uh, <laughs> but like console war jokes, I think are some of the funniest memes I've ever seen. Like, especially the old ones. I I've turned out a few of my own. I love seeing them online. If you have like a Sega Genesis versus super Nintendo meme tag me, I want to see it. Like I always crack up. It was such a special time to be alive. You know, they're duking it out in commercials. I remember arguing about it in schoolyards and it was good fun. Like it was with friends, you know, it, it's not like now where you have the anonymity of the internet. And so people could say anything. Right. And they'll be uh -huh. like, you like PlayStation cause you're fat. And we like, <laughs> like that doesn't how, where, where's the joy in that argument? You know, there's not, there's none, you know? And so like to go back again and then just enjoy the way that like the console wars used to be, uh, is a fun thing for me. I get a kick out of that. Uh, I think today, like, again, if we're going to talk about exclusives, that's rare between, I mean, Xbox and PC are like practically the same thing now. Yeah. You know? And then Xbox and PlayStation, there's a lot that's shared between them. They're kind of struggling to, you know, fight over crumbs in a lot of ways, it seems like. But like they're trying to secure for themselves their things. But there's a lot that's multi-platform. You know, a lot of the really big stuff is multi-platform. Switch will have a lot of first party, you know, exclusives. Yeah. And I typically say that's what you buy Nintendo for. Because you're not going to mm -hmm. get Mario on Xbox. You're not going to get Zelda on PlayStation. You might find like the indies that are kind of like, this is a Mario like, this is a Zelda like, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, you get those things. You can, you enjoy them with your kids. Like I'm not going to play Elden Ring with my kids, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'll play, I'll play these other ones with my kids. So I think that uh, it is like, like you said, it's just a really different dynamic about that. And people are nasty. They're nastier about, arguing about their favorite plastic box these days um <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was a guy who called me xenophobic over uh over a uh over a console war fight <laughs> are you serious <laughs> it's really funny uh he started in on he started in on uh this is real brief he started in on well you only think that because your uh your education system is trash in america and i was like that was weird, like insulting the country that I come from in like <laughs> a video game conversation. So again, not to be one to just like, oh, just roll all over me. I insulted him back. I was like, you know, well, maybe you're just mad because you didn't get, you know, you didn't. Get, oh, I, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a zinger. Let's just say that it was a zinger. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was a fun conversation. But stuff like that, like. It's fun to jibe jack back and forth over things like that. For me, at least, this part of my personality. But when people get really like personal about it, mm. that's where it's not fun anymore, you know. And yeah. these are games. I mean, seriously, like we can't have fun with games. What is left in life? <laughs> like, you know, just go to the beach, go outside, touch the lawn, all that sort of thing. And yeah, that's my perspective, at least, on it. Like there, there's a game uh, that came out, I want to say like two years ago, called Elix Two, and I made a comment. I made a short, and it was also within like the review of the game too, because I know the devs, and um, I'm 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 friends with a lot of them, and the game is it's by a smaller studio, 
it doesn't look that great like it's not going to look next generation it looks like something from probably the early to mid 360 era and but it's got jank but it's got it's got some real good qualities to it and i praise the game for the good qualities but i'm still gonna make fun of the the crappy parts of it because i understand like and, and i told the um I told the devs I was going to joke on it, and I and I told them the joke, and then they laughed at it. They're like, oh, "Go ahead." So basically, what I said was, "Hey, you know, uh, Elix Two, 2008 call. They said they want their graphics back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, they they loved it. They're like, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." And so it's so funny. I put that out two years ago. That is the number one video on my YouTube channel that consistently gets comments oh for that that joke for that joke that are incredibly vitriolic like i'm shocked that people can and it for a point i would always respond and be like hey it's a joke between me and the devs like don't take you're not allowed no you're not allowed to joke no no no, no, no. like the, the you look like a yeah right and then the well wait yeah then they start comparing you to like like zoo animals and stuff like that right like I've, i'll get that uh, it's so weird bro i've gotten death threats over like conversations off of twitter there was a guy who called me found my phone number my personal cell phone number online and called me after midnight i'm in bed and I was like, well, who the heck is this? Hello? It, it was still mad and, and upset and emotionally straught over a, an argument about video games. Like, we're, we're in this really weird stage. And, like, I think the more people that talk through that and, like, the more people that point out, like, hey, this is kind of unhinged is good because we don't need to be going there. I don't need no. to be finding somebody's phone number online you know, and getting that emotionally invested in a disagreement over a video game that maybe I liked and he didn't, or maybe I didn't like and he did. That that to me just doesn't make sense at all. But the the death of comedy, and how many comedians, how many career comedians have you seen who are like ancient? They're like in their eighties, nineties, seventy. You know, like they're they're old and they're like the death of comedy is coming. Yeah, you no, know, like a lot of like. Uh, I will make jokes because I love to make jokes. I love to laugh. And my dad made jokes. I inherited it. I'm sorry. I will try and not make jokes that like are about a specific person because like, again, that's a line like you, you, your joke, you know, for, for the game, right? Elex was it? Yeah. Elex too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you didn't call the devs idiots. No. No, because that would be crossing a line. You're not saying you you guys are are stupid and terrible and inept and unskilled for making a game like this. That's crossing a line. Instead, you made a joke about the graphics. But about what's so wrong about that, you know? Uh, but people will take those things very personally. So it's one, it's something to watch out for in the way that we carry ourselves online. Two, it's something to expect. And uh-huh. three, it's something I think to normalize. Like normalize that people make jokes. It's fine. It really is fine. Yeah. So I know you said you wanted to pick my brain. So I'm yes. gonna put you. You you are in the 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 hot seat. Go ahead. 
how it was yours how that's it how <laughs> <laughs> no. like i guess um let's see did i have any real like follow-up questions i guess after our last conversation was like uh really general obviously i don't want to ask you a lot of like personal things while we're like recording here where do you live you know stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding but like uh yeah like how do you how do you stand out from the the morass the the huge the masses the mob there's there's so many people uh doing this sort of thing you know that we're doing there's oh. a ton of people who start podcasts there's a ton of people who start blogs when i started blogging it was real weird a lot of people started blogging at the same time and doing game stuff so we had like this little blogging community it was great there was some competition back and forth but everybody was kind of doing their own thing it was really wonderful we kind of all did collabs now and then and things like that um but it was also humbling in that, like, hey, I'm not the only person doing this. Like, there's a lot of people, you know, doing this. Now, as I'm trying to look into getting into YouTube, that's a very saturated platform. Like, there's a lot of people on there doing really incredible things. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have, like, any, like, concept of, like, oh, I'm going to put out a video and get a million hits and just be super famous and, like, you know, like, you've got to do things to stand out. So like for you, you know, you've got a lot going on. You've got a lot of really cool things. You're running like five, was it four or five podcasts? Four going into five podcasts. Four going into five. <laughs> now that, you got the YouTube channel, you've got sponsorships, you've got affiliates, like you've got those relationships with people in the industry, you know people, you know. How do you stand out as a brand in 2023 from all the masses very general question i think that's a very loaded question that's yeah a question. well you remember all the questions <laughs> that i asked you. <laughs> loaded questions <laughs> um it's really i'm not gonna lie it's really hard trying to stand out now um especially post pandemic because the pandemic saw a flood of people pop into this space um i'm i would say at least for me having hawaii's background is one and also trying to market to a global audience is, is the second part of that but outside of that uh i can't even say my approach is original because my approach is very much uh when it comes to game coverage and tech coverage is very much from the magazines that i grew up reading so that was the biggest influence on me game pro magazine egm uh pc gamer all that stuff when i was a kid very much influenced me because this is something i always want to do but seeing now you've got all the you know you got the rate you, you got the angry reviewers which that was big very big in the 2010s yeah. i'm glad um, it's it's on the it's 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 on the wane i think yeah it's going down like people were like this was funny but i think we all kind of realized not everybody can do that well you yeah. know and so when you see it like i saw a person recently somebody forwarded it to me They're like hey this person's doing a hate play have you ever seen that before a hate play 
Yeah. Like, what is that like a playthrough where you just like constantly are full of hatred? Like, why would anybody want to watch that? <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's just me being old. Like, I don't, I don't get that. But um, yeah, see, I agree. See, we're at the age where it's like if we don't like something, we just don't deal with it. You know, <laughs> right? Like, I don't have, I don't have the time. Like, I'll tell you flat out, no, I don't, I yeah. don't want to watch that. Like, people will send me stuff all the time, and I'll be like. I've checked that out once and I'm good. I don't want to waste any more of my precious time left on this one thing. So, um, I guess, uh, going back to the question, like standing out, like if you're going to do YouTube, the key word is YouTube. It's about you, right? So you got to put the you in it and in putting you or yourself in the content you make, you know, outside of just YouTube, it could be anything, podcasting and all that. Um, you have to put an aspect or a percentage of yourself, not a hundred percent of yourself, because that can also go south. Trust oh me. yeah. I know Trust what you me. mean. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I used to do a thing where, okay. So, you know, Okay, so you know how we Hawaiians can be. We can we can talk shit, the best of folks, and Samoans can be <laughs> even worse. We can talk a lot of shit too. So I used to be. I used to do a thing called the campfire, where I would take a topic, or or if I had a troll, I'd just roast the fuck out of them. And I used to do that for fun, and never took it seriously until I started seeing people took that personally. Mm. so i was like okay let me let me dial that back so i still kind of do that but like more in a fun or self-deprecating way just so it's like not seen as yeah. malicious. when you add but, self-deprecation that kind of balances it out yeah right so like i really feel like standing out is just like put, put an aspect of yourself in it um try not to like it's okay to be inspired by someone or something but not being a carbon knockoff of someone else because you'll never be them yeah um and just like experiment experiment try different things to see what feels right for you because maybe you don't want to do reviews maybe you want to do a podcast and just talk about it you know maybe you want to do a live stream and, and just play the game and let people experience it through that way or you know th that's how i feel like you stand out and the biggest thing is longevity yeah yeah so i started i th 2015 really 2016 but 2015 when i started to now there's probably maybe a handful of people that are still around you will start to see as you're doing podcasting uh, journalism blogs youtube streaming whatever people come and go it's a revolving door and i've seen a lot of people start and they start strong or they start weak and they eventually get strong and they eventually just drop it so the biggest way to stand out really is how long can you last yeah so. yeah it's not a sprint it's a marathon yeah you know uh i i so agree with all those things that you just said <laughs> i think like on the line of like put you in it you know it's like 
you can't emulate somebody else. Uh, you can take things that you like, uh, you know, like in writing, you'll often hear the advice, um, you know, writers don't write, they steal, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, there's an element of that. That's true. Like you're inspired constantly by the things that you consume that are art. Um, but you can't just take somebody else's persona, whether you're a writer or a YouTuber or whatever, and do that. Like you cannot yeah. set somebody up on a pedestal and be like, I'm just going to become this person. Cause you, you don't have their life experiences. You don't have their personality. You don't have, you know, a variety of other things, but that's not to say you're missing stuff. You have what you have and you got to put that into your content. So I, I really agree with you there. The longevity thing is huge. Yes. Uh, and that's why burnout is so dangerous. You know, um, I will never forget. Um, again, when I started blogging, there was a lot of blogs and we'd all keep in touch and I would see new blogs come and go sometimes within just a span of weeks. Mm -hmm. One blog pops up, uh, their tagline, your number one stop for all gaming news and video games. And their about page or their description at least was like, um, I'll be reviewing every game. Not every game that comes out, not every game on X system, right? Every game for 50 years of an extant industry, commercial industry. No, <laughs> I just can't. I met it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to start naming all these examples, but yeah, there's, it's impossible. Um, you know, find, find a context, find a niche. You know, uh -huh. maybe there aren't any niches left. Combine niches, you know, get creative with that. Um, God bless him. I met this guy recently is still in my discord. I, 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 I worry about him, you know, uh, treat him like a son. No, just kidding. <laughs> like, but, uh, <laughs> but you talk to people and he'll be like, you know, how many steam games do you think I have to buy to be a YouTuber? And I'm like, zero. <sighs> I don't, I, I have 12 steam games. <laughs> I'm about to make YouTube videos. You don't need, you don't need, like people will look at like a metal Jesus rocks video or, you know, any of those videos where they're standing in front of like a huge wall that looks like a retail store of games. And they'll just be like, I want to be like that. So that means I have to collect games in order to be that. And you don't, you don't, if you're, if you're listening right now and you think that stop thinking that. Like you do not have to drop tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands, even for some of these big collections, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, mm -hmm. in order to just emulate what somebody else is doing and then get on and you find that you hate producing videos or that like, you don't want to write scripts or that like, talk you, to you them. Don't like you don't like doing reviews, <laughs> bro. I think about this stuff like daily, daily. And there are so many people that are, that's part of, that is part of the, the allure of like the YouTuber, right? The YouTuber, mm -hmm. the celebrity YouTuber, right? Is we all want to be like celebrities, you know, there's, there's somebody that we want to be like, and that's okay. Where it becomes extreme is where you start, you know, like doing, yeah. <laughs> well, there's like, there's, there's like science fiction movies where like people are. Like that one movie where people were um, were uh, getting infecting themselves with diseases from celebrities because they uh -huh. wanted to be like, no, 
<laughs> no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. You don't have to take emulation that far. Take inspiration, not emulation. There's your sound clip right there. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too, uh, outside of burnout, um, there's the the, the imposter, imposter syndrome, which yeah, can yeah. very strongly hit. And the, here's the thing: like everything. You have to keep everything in a, a uh, perspective. You know, you have to understand that certain things may work for you that may not work for someone else and vice versa. And understanding that it's okay that this may not work for you. You may not you either may need to do something or not. And just understanding and be okay with that and not comparing yourself, which is hard to do because nature people is we're always going to compare on some level i've seen that level of comparison really get ugly and i i mean i've dealt with it myself like i've had instances before where i'm like well how come that person got this and you know da, da, da. i've been there i've done that i've seen it i've seen it at its ugliest i've been on the receiving end of that and It's very interesting seeing how that can um, come out in someone's content when they get tunnel vision on that. And it's like, okay, you need to stop and redirect or pivot. And a lot of people can't do that. And, you know, the, the biggest advice I can give people when it comes to dealing with burnout or policy syndrome is take some time off, which is in many ways, career suicide in this field. I, I get it. <laughs> Especially when you do this as a career, like you kind of have to maintain an online presence, but when it gets to the point where it's detrimental for yourself, your mental state of being, your emotional well-being, you need to step back. I've had to do that multiple times this year. Um, and even right now, like I'm fighting through burnout because there, this has been a stacked year for gaming, like every month <laughs> has had like multiple big releases and I'm very selective of what I do and don't cover. And I try not to cover everything, but it's really at a point where like the stuff that I do want to cover, like. I get it and I work on it and I do the best I can and it gets compared to what other people are doing, bigger creators. And, you know, sometimes I'll put, I'll, I'll get content out at the embargo and by getting it by the embargo, because people, here's another thing y'all need to understand too. People have their preferences of who they want to get their content from. Like, people there's some people that prefer going to mcdonald's over burger king or right. over in and out or whatever but they'll like mcdonald's drops it or starbucks really one of the most interesting coffee places out there but you know people go there over going to like a coffee bean or or whatever so you can put out something case in point see a stars like i i hit the embargo but there are bigger creators that covered that. 
I didn't get that traction that they got. So, and that kind of got to me at a point. But I also had to understand, hey, you know, I'm not them. I'm not as known as them. But eventually somebody is going to catch wind of my review, written or video. And on top of that, there are people, you know, like in an instance of like companies that they picked me to have a review copy that says a lot you know and it's like i i had to take steps back to reassess that you know and, and it's the, a lot of people don't understand when it comes to the creator being a creator or being any type of artist or entrepreneur it is more mental than anything else that you physically do because yeah. you're constantly battling yourself, constantly yeah. battling, battling your self-doubt. And it's just, you can't let it consume you. Give mm -hmm. it some time, let it run its course, and then be like, all right, time to get back to work. Yeah, Sorry, that was long-winded. No, that's that's wonderful. Because I think it gets down to what is the nucleus of all this? Self-worth. Yeah. You know, everything that we talked about today almost everything uh, stems from how an individual interacts with their own perceived self-worth with their mm -hmm. own perceived self. You know, like how do they interact with others online? How do they handle jokes from total strangers on the internet? Uh, how do they handle, handle slights against their favorite commercial product of choice? Uh, now here talking about how do they handle dealing with uh, with numbers. Earlier we were talking about people being happy. Yeah. Or not. Sometimes that, that really does come down to self-worth. And yeah. like those great numbers can can be there sometimes. You know, you can hit a video and it, and it makes it big. Or in my sphere, you put out an article and Google's like, hey, I like that. And you're like, sweet, I'm glad you like it, Google. Carry on. Uh, and that feels good, but like those things don't actually define your self worth. They're not your really your value. They're part yeah. of it, sure. Like they those are extensions of yourself because you've spent your time and your energy, your creative power, and your thought to make those creations. And so, like I get it. It's like if if you're the sun, then this is your effulgence. This is your ray. These are your rays of light. You know. Um, and so when people judge that or they're not as well received, that can hurt the sun itself. Well, the sun's still burning, you know, like you're still you. It doesn't actually change that. Um, and that's what I think more people have got to start to arrive at that. Like if your video does badly or poorly or it falls below expectations, if you're if you write something and like it gets far below, you know, far fewer hits than you expected. Um, if you're excited to launch this new project product and like you don't get the response from your community or the online community that you wanted, um, that's okay. Because yeah. it, it like you still are the person that you are. It doesn't mean that any of like the first thing like <laughs> saying it is kind of funny, but it's so true. Like the first thing you'll jump to is like, well, I guess nobody likes me. Right. You know, like, and it's like, no, you sit and think about it. There are people who come and 
and and interact with you you know whether it's interacting with your content or just you or whatever it is that you're doing you know and even just to take that to take that one step again beyond the internet this this microcosm of life we put there's it's so easy to put so much emphasis on the internet and on success on the internet um but taking that step back again like you have a family i have mm -hmm. a family like there's people who love me in real life who don't interact with me online at all and that's part of that's 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 part of who i am those networks those relationships you know um so i think that really ties i'm still in my like podcast hosting mode sorry <laughs> so like i think no it, no no this is it really ties everything on this whole episode together um it comes down to self-worth you know what do you think you know like i asked somebody once uh i was on this show uh it was a gamer looks at 40 excellent show by uh by bill uh great friend of mine and uh he we were talking about uh link from the legend of zelda right and he was like do you think link matters like like as a character um you know in these stories or to the player does link matter and i was like let me ask you do you matter bill and he was like uh <laughs> you know he wasn't ready for that question i was like <laughs> he's like i think so i was like well i think you do he's like well thank you and i was like you know you've got family you've got friends you like there are people who love you you matter you know and mm -hmm. by extension then link matters because link is the player character you know he's the avatar he doesn't really have his own personality you know you kind of fill that role he matters because you matter um mm -hmm. but if you forget that just think of link and like if link matters you matter because link matters because you matter you matter you know and that 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 i think is pretty encouraging for people who maybe are like some of the folk we mentioned earlier really successful you know hitting those numbers but it just shows you that even with high numbers they can have really low self-worth you know and be really sad about it and and live these kind of lonesome lives and i wouldn't i, I wouldn't wish that on anybody so like if you need to i love that you mentioned breaks oh my gosh breaks oh, i love that. it's like a nap like <laughs> you take a nap you're like oh but i think like regular breaks are super healthy um mm -hmm. like you will be forced to take a break eventually right if you don't take breaks eventually you'd be like oh I gotta take a break now or i'll die like uh, you know screw this and you know, throw the computer clothes and stuff like that um but taking breaks is really good yeah and it just comes down to self-care and and uh and making sure you watch out for yourself like the numbers will be there or not yeah um, i could totally empathize with what you're saying like you know it can be career suicide like if you just disappear and i've seen people do that they just are gone one day um and i hope they're okay but like they can be okay away from the internet that's fine but i hope yeah. they're okay as people um but obviously if you don't want to get to that point then take care of yourself you know think about think about your own value you know and how that's not always connected to the the numbers that you get because numbers will be you know up and down yeah, sometimes they always are so, and sometimes it's just that freaking algorithm that just wants to get you down <laughs> like if you have an enemy it's the algorithm that's mm -hmm. that's the that's the real devil 
right there. So one thing I definitely want to uh, touch on real quick that I know some people are probably interested in knowing, like when it comes to working, you know, creating content, uh, like even tying into something like you mentioned earlier, someone asked like how many games they should buy. Like when it comes to making content, make content on things you have. Something yeah. you're looking to pick up, make a content on stuff you already have. If you I want guarantee you with, got something, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if you if you want to work with the industry, a couple ways. One, making a content because regardless of whether you realize it or not, the industry, as big as it is, the people who make the moves, who work with creators, influencers, outlets, and such, it's a very small pool of people, and they do look at stuff that's being made. And eventually, you're going to get contacted by them, or you can reach out to them. And I always tell people, like, having a website actually is great. If you're a YouTuber or a streamer and you're covering certain things, have a website, have a portfolio of work, you know, that way you can showcase it because, you know, you don't want to be. And I say this to people who stream, and I think I may have said this on your podcast too, but you don't want to be loyal to a platform like YouTube or mm, Twitch yeah. or something like that. Because if if you call yourself a YouTuber and YouTube goes away, what are you? Hey, right? right? That's not your you identity. Know? It's right? something you do. <laughs> right? There's another part of like the self-worth equation. Like if you if tomorrow you could not write reviews anymore, you know, mm -hmm. what are you? You're not a game reviewer anymore, but you're still you. Yeah. All right. So it's like, you know, consider it like accept the role of being a content creator because it's multifaceted. You know, you can define it as you need. Make content on stuff you care about, you know, written video or podcasts. Uh, ha having a website is essential. Establish relationships with, and I'm not saying be best friends with the people, you know, right. But establish a relationship with the, press or the, the public relations people that are providing you or, or have the capability of providing you a code like reach out to folks i've had i know folks that constantly ask me like how do you get to work with playstation how did you get to work with this company or this and i'm like i reached out i no one told me i just use google the ultimate catch-all tool there you go. <laughs> like, like, and then, you know, I've, I've gotten to know a lot of folks. I've met a lot of people and, and really, you know, it, it becomes degrees of separation at that point, because when you, when you start building a good reputation and people start no, noticing that you're very consistent, again, this goes back to longevity, uh, you will get people that will continue to support you like uh case in point there was a tweet uh michael kiritaze put out for this horse uh, survival horror game that it's a psychological horror game put it out on september 7th i i responded on the tweet said you know aloha my name is michael fontea aka michael casanova Hawaiian content creator all this stuff here's my media deck which is another thing that's important have a, a just like having a resume and i gave him my email address and then i had the head the senior public relations guy ibrahim body from uh, square enix comment on my comment to the guy saying hard vouch for this man because it, yeah, like that's building you, that's from building relationships right there 
Exactly. Yeah. So establish these relationships, establish a work ethic, be consistent, you know, and, and I'm not saying drop a single video every single day or an article every single day, but like have a level of consistency. If you'll be consistent in going to work or going to the gym or whatever your daily routine, fit your content into there in some way. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You know, like I, I did a podcast recently with uh, my friend Black Oni. And one of the things that we were talking about was like how when we got started doing content on YouTube and Twitch, like people were saying you had to have this, you know, you had to have a DSLR camera, you have to have an XLR mic, you got to have this, you got to have that, you have to have the, the lights and all this other stuff. And you see a lot of people who are successful don't have all that because you don't need all these unnecessary things to be successful. Mm -hmm. You just need you, your mind, your creativity, your desire and drive and you got to push sometimes beyond your comfort level so yeah <laughs> yes 100 percent agree uh and i hope that that helps pe people you know like uh, a lot of people struggle with this um it's a lot of people for for a lot of folks is a hobby and that's great yeah. you know putting out a couple of reviews here and there that's wonderful they're like we need hobbies in our lives yes you know um if you want to get into it professionally be professional that's it yes you have to treat this like a business when you're you want to do a professional it is more than just hitting record and go or go live it's more than just you know writing up something and not proofreading it there is a whole business aspect to this that a lot of people don't see you know mm -hmm. and a lot of people even folks that are in it they sometimes they just don't get it or they can't grasp it but it's it's very much treat this with the respect you would treat any profession you know it, it is it viable it's more volatile than most jobs but then i mean we're seeing now jobs are letting people go left and right yeah you know so yeah. stability is really up to you right and diversify there's there's yeah. one thing that i think is helpful with stability um it's something that i'm trying to do myself so that i don't just rely on just this website so i don't rely on just streaming you know just podcasting but there's so many tools available to do anything that mm -hmm. you want to right now uh again don't blow out your budget <laughs> you don't have yeah. to go out and buy a thousand steam games don't go out and buy you know the latest microphone and camera setup you know you're not taking pictures for like a magazine like you're just recording yourself in front of a camera i mean i've seen people get hits for recording themselves off a cell phone yeah. if the content is engaging and compelling and the storytelling is there you don't care if it's on a cell phone you know it's it's yeah. the it's the it's the content that speaks for itself so exactly so anything any, anything else you want to pick oh uh, man you wanna... I, I think we hit that nail pretty hard i don't know like what else could <laughs> we add to that um i would just say follow your dreams you know like there's a lot of instability in the world there's a lot of you know cruelty online and things like that but you could do anything you want to do
Yeah. If, if you and not like anything, if you just set your mind on it, no, and like not like in a <laughs> cheesy sense. If you dream it, do it. You yeah. know, you could do it. You could do anything you want to do. Just find the time, find the resources, find the drive, and be consistent. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to leave the audience with before we go outside of that gym that you just dropped? That might. <laughs> I I don't no I don't I don't know um. It, like look we've got we've got uh we've got this big website all right like you said industry people listen to this right if you mm-hmm. want to collaborate contact me we've got a lot of different writers we're always looking for new writers we handle new game keys we handle old game reviews we're doing interviews we're starting up this youtube channel i'm streaming through things we've got a lot of written content coming i have secret projects that i'm not allowed to tell anybody about but they're super secret uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on. If you want to work with a group that has a lot of a lot of diversity, uh, reach out to me. Uh, my I can send Mikel my email. I'm sure I don't need to say it here on on the air, but well, uh, I'll put it in the uh, put it in there in the description. Too, okay, I appreciate well. that. Yeah, thanks very much. No, it's uh, the Well Read Mage at thepixels.com. Uh, the Well Read Mage at the-pixels.com. Email me. If you want to talk, I'll talk to you. So uh, with that being said, that's that's the episode, people. Links to everything for the Well-Read Mage and the Pixels.com will be in the description of it. And you'll be able to catch this episode of the podcast along with many others. Video format on YouTube as well as on Spotify. Big shout out to Spotify for sponsoring this podcast. Well, both podcasts. And uh, you'll be able to catch it on every other major podcasting outlet. So... Just look up the Casanova podcast or look up, you know, decked up a gaming and tech podcast. This is going to be on both because I think we're covering, you know, the industry, the content creator side, and we're talking about gaming. It's much more and it deserves to be on both. So we're going to cross pollinate. I can do that. I got four podcasts. I can do that. You do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to tell you you can't, huh? (laughs) So uh, with that being said, Moses, thank you again for taking time out of your day to come on the show. And um, yeah, we will see y'all on the next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mahalo for your time for listening to this episode of the Casanova Podcast and One Podcast in Hawaii. If you found this episode to be incredibly enjoyable, informative, or if there's anything you gain from it or any insight or, you know, anything that's good that you really, really enjoy, make sure whatever platform you're listening to it on, or if you're watching it, leave a comment if that's available on the platform, like it, share it around with someone you think would enjoy it, and give us some feedback because your feedback is exactly what we need to keep this show going and if you're wondering what are some ways that you can support the show we got various ways we've got patreon we have channel memberships over on youtube as well as subscribe star coffee and so much more links for everything will be in the description of the podcast so make sure you go check that out and with all that being said i hope you have an aloha rest of your day let them know that i'm next level i'm a whole new kind of guy At the top spot in case you forgot We the ones that got the black hot bullet got the shot
Yeah.